0: Superstructure and Money on the Left listeners, this is Natty. I want to introduce the audio snippet that you're going to hear from our new premium content over at our Patreon, Money on the Left and Superstructure membership drive. We have big plans to launch a website, an academic journal, a popular writing platform. We want to be able to pay our collaborators. And this sample comes from the first premium content, the lecture series from Scott Ferguson's course on the neoliberal blockbuster. It's really cool. If you need a hardship membership, feel free to contact us. Otherwise, thank you for any support, but we never want paywalls to be an obstacle. Scott looks in this series at the origins of the neoliberal blockbuster in the 70s, the industrial model based on high-risk finance, the aesthetic mode with action, adventure, narratives all fueled by a special effects industry that feeds on itself in ways that symptomatically shape and define that era. And he will historicize and defamiliarize the blockbuster in fascinating ways, looking at its both recessive social values, but also deep meaning in terms of understanding our era, aesthetically, industrially, and policy-wise. So enjoy. Thank you very much. Shallow words are never true, your shallow
1: words are never true. Your yeah, shallow words bring nothing new, shallow words bring nothing new. argument that I'm trying to lay out in my book and elsewhere, that, it, that the, the blockbuster is actually working out and pointing to much deeper structural limits and impasses in this, in this broader project of, of Western modernity. And both in that broader sense and in the more focused narrow sense of the neoliberal network society, I want to draw your attention to Uh, the way that the blockbuster is responding to the matter of abstraction. Abstraction as a social form, as a form of media, as a form of technology, as a form of meaning-making, and beyond. So I want to define abstraction a little bit. And I want to kind of paint, a, give you a few brushstrokes of definitions that, you know, none of them are, are... are um, going to be uh, kind of applicable every single time we use the term abstraction. But I want to give you a sense of all the, the various ways that abstraction typically is understood and defined, especially in the modern world. So literally abstraction, if you look up the etymology of the word, the, the origins of the word and the word the, the parts of the word, it means drawn away, drawn away. So it typically refers to, uh, relationships that are um, being um, organized in a remote way or relations at a distance. Now, this might be, um, you know, the relationship between uh, me and this, this uh, recorded lecture and you um, watching it wherever you are, right? And these are relations at a distance. It can also uh, refer to um, uh, distant forms like uh, this abstract painting by Miro that you see in front of you that was painted by Miro in the early 20th century and then it was digitized in, you know, probably the late 20th or early 21st century and then I grabbed it from the internet and put it into this slideshow, right, uh, and mixed it with some uh, some words that I've also put on the page, right. So, and, and, you know, cinema is an abstract technology that brings not only connects connects you know peoples and places over remote distances, but also brings things together. Um, so there's multiple ways of thinking about abstraction as relation at a distance. Um, the other major way that abstraction is thought about, it's often when we're thinking about like categories and language, is abstraction often refers to the general or a universally shared Horizon. When you're speaking abstractly, um, it means that you're speaking about kind of more, more than just one particular thing or one particular experience. You're speaking about the way that things work generally speaking, the way that um, all kinds of people and places participate in in a particular uh, way or are shaped uh, or organized in. in certain senses or another, okay. So that's another sense of abstraction. Another abstraction is another sense of abstraction is a relationship to the imperceptible. Now, this is you could say a logical corollary of the other two, right? So to relate at a distance is to relate um, across <laughs> regions, you know, space and time, even um, in ways that are not immediately perceptible to you, right? Um, and the general or the universally shared is also not something that you can just see through your own particular uh, experience and your your various senses, right? So there's a relation to the imperceptible that is often, often referred to uh, when we're talking about abstraction. And when we're talking about abstract images or abstract sounds or abstract language or text, you know, we're talking about a relationship of bringing, you know, using sensuous forms like text or image or sound, um, you know, sensuous forms that are proximate to you, but in order to open up to something that's beyond, right, That, that you can't immediately see, that you can't immediately hear, taste, or sense. Another sense of abstraction that I think is very particular to the modern Western world is a sense of embracing artifice, right? So there's a sense that the world is socially constructed, media is socially constructed, there's something kind of artificial about it in the sense that it doesn't just pop out of nature, right? It doesn't, you know, um, you don't you can't just go walking in the desert and then suddenly, uh, you know, you see a, you know, a, 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 an Apple MacBook Pro is born, right? I mean, it had to be made by um, engineers and designed and constructed in, in these huge global supply chains, often with exploited labor uh, in China and other places, uh, but. There's a sense that you know abstraction involves an an artifice, right? A a, con, a social construction. So that that's something to to keep in mind. Um, and there's there's uh, while there's a lot of ambivalence around this in Western modernity, part of that part of that ambivalence is is a, a positive sense of. Um, that if the world is artificially constructed, it's not just given to us by nature and has to be a certain way. That means it can always be changed, and we can always improve upon it, both uh, for um, you know what might people might consider to be efficiency, uh, not really a, a a value that that I, um, I I put way up there, but also for social justice, right? That we can uh, when we embrace abstraction as an artifice it means that we can change it and we can reorganize it in in a different way. And then related to this is there's a sense that what abstraction does is it suspends supposedly natural or inevitable orders. I mean basically that's what I've already said. I kind of needed to say that in order to define the the artifice um, dimension of abstraction. And those are the main ways that I think we moderns think of abstraction. There are more, and we'll talk about more later, um, especially the way that abstraction was thought of um, uh, during the Middle Ages um, uh, in our in our uh, kind of longer, deeper, pre-modern uh, history that we're going to be uh, wading into. Um, but for now, I think this is good to get us going. And um, what I want us to attend to, um, and be aware of is that in the modern world there is a lot of anxiety and ambivalence right so ambivalence means both love and hate right desire and disgust um drawn toward but also um, um, pushed away right there's a lot of ambivalence and anxiety about abstraction and i mean this very broadly across spheres i'm talking about economics I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about aesthetics, art, all kinds of arts, visual arts, uh, dance—you name it. Um, and in our course, I want us to, above all, be thinking about uh, this anxiety and this ambivalence in terms of money. Money is a is a key abstraction, a key form of abstraction that organizes the modern world and it is a medium right Um, but it's a medium that I will call a meta medium that organizes all other media and it's a, a key feature of the way that our world is generally mediated of course it plays a huge role in the blockbuster as we know right because we're obsessed with blockbuster receipts Uh, and blockbuster statistics and how much they make and how much they were made for and are they recuperating their returns? So we'll be paying attention to that, but we're also gonna be framing this in a much broader sense of the the Blockbuster's relationship to abstraction and to monetary abstraction. Now, does this discussion sound abstract? You betcha. Are you gonna be following everything that I'm saying uh, right now? No. I just need, just kind of let it wash over you. We're going to be defining these things. You know, we're not taking our final exam right now. You're gonna have plenty of time to get into um, these ideas. But I have to introduce the different parts in piecemeal uh, in order to kind of put them all on the table so that we can start drawing connections between them. Now, here is going to be my opening key the critical thesis about the blockbuster that's going to guide our class. It's going to be with us the entire semester. It's a challenging thesis. It's going to take you a little while to kind of get used to it. Um, And then what we'll see is that we'll kind of be repeating it, but hopefully not ad nauseum. Hopefully we'll we'll be repeating it with variation in ways that, that delve into the particularities of historically specific works and their historically micro-specific contexts. But nevertheless, I'm going to argue that what blockbusters do in terms of their, especially their sensuous organization, remember their phenomenology, is that at the collective level, they repress abstraction. They repress, they push down, push away, and deny abstraction or what I hear I'm calling abstract mediation, abstract organization at a base level of our perceptions and our feelings. So this is a thesis that goes like well below the level of and much deeper than the level of just narrative representation. I'm talking about how how blockbusters actually appear and feel to us as a sensuous experience. So, and my claim is that blockbusters are terrified of abstraction. And so what they do is they push it down. They don't want to admit it and they don't want to admit that they themselves are abstract, that they themselves are bringing together all kinds of remote relations at a distance. and and engaging in the imperceptible and suspending natural orders. Instead, they pursue another way of organizing the sensuous unfolding of of the world and experience that that, um, really tries hard to deny abstraction to get us going in how it does so. I'll start with one of the fundamental values of blockbuster phenomenology, and that is contiguity. What does contiguity mean? Contiguity means essentially relationships of proximity or adjacency or touching, right? So I am not proximate to you right now. I am somewhere far away speaking into a microphone in front of my laptop, and you are somewhere else Um, watching and listening to this lecture. We are not contiguous, right? We are not sitting shoulder to shoulder. That would be contiguous. Everything about the blockbuster as an aesthetic form and the industrial mode that supports that aesthetic form is serving is all about a particular value of contiguity this is so weird right you thought this was going to be a class that was just about you know some fun entertainment films and you're going to learn about how they were made and you know uh have some fun watching some action-adventure movies um sure we'll, we'll do a little bit of that too but i'm here to start to kind of peel back the curtain so to speak get at this puzzle of the blockbuster and to tell you i want you to start paying attention to the ways that blockbusters are are insanely preoccupied with contiguity. They are obsessed, and they are not just obsessed in the movies themselves, even in their titles, even in their posters, they're obsessed. So, um, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg's second blockbuster is titled, as we've already suggested, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Indeed, you know, it is about a, it's about encounters with aliens, right? And they get close, right? But there is a, a preoccupation with closeness that, that you get, um, even in a more metaphorical way in the title, that you're going to see throughout the blockbuster era.